the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Very special guest joining us on the program today, a man who continues an incredible spiritual legacy spanning, oh my goodness, uh, well over 50 years of ministry to the San Francisco Bay Area. In fact, his father first founded the church and was in leadership for the first 50 years. And now to continue on that legacy, we're joined today by the senior pastor of Rehoboth World Outreach Center in Vallejo, Pastor Danny Jefferson. Pastor Jefferson, welcome. Thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Craig. I appreciate it. I'm honored and uh, just glad to be here. It's, it's a delight to spend some time together uh, because there, there's there's so many aspects of the ministry of Rehoboth that I want to kind of uh, dig into today and kind of peel back the layers of the onion. But one of the things that I want to start with is my, my opening remark, the, the legacy, the continuance of this legacy. This church was actually founded by your father, and he passed the mantle on to you. Tell us a bit about some of the, the early roots of Rehoboth. Yeah, you know, uh, in fact, uh, this coming Sunday, um, well, December the 4th, we will be celebrating 70 years in ministry. Um, 1952, my father uh, dug the well. That's what the name Rehoboth means. It means a well, you know, like a well of water. And uh, he started the ministry in 1952. Um, and in Benicia, matter of fact, and uh, was there for a number of years and then migrated to the city of Vallejo. And then finally, we, um, after about three or four years, came to the location that we are now. And so uh, Rehoboth has been in existence for uh, 70 years, impacting our cities and communities. Uh, my father uh, was a man of prayer and you know, one of the most um, impressive things that I continue to receive, even now, 70 years later, you'll get people who said, you know, your father did this, or my life was touched because of that, or or, or the ministry was, uh, you know, once I, I was a member back in the 50s or the 60s. Uh, so I'm still finding um, people who have been touched by his ministry, and it, it, it always reminds me of the legacy that uh, I now am entrusted with. And, you know, to the greater degree, that legacy is each and every one of us, uh, one that we are responsible for, uh, whether it's the legacy that we leave and the way we raise our children, the lives that we touch in our day-to-day comings and goings at work, at play, whatever it might be. Each of us have a unique opportunity to leave a imprint, to leave a mark, so to speak. I guess the question comes down to what will that mark look like? And I remember a preacher one time at a funeral saying, you know, the the one thing that I've always thought of when my, my time finally comes is how will I be remembered? Meaning 
Will I have made a difference? Will life have been better for others? Will have I left the world a better place than I found it when I came? And of course, I think that's something that God will also judge us on based on this tremendous gift that he's given us in his son and the responsibility that each and every one of us have to pass that message along, to to leave that spiritual legacy, be it to our children or, as I say, the lives that we come in contact with each and every day. So true. He has he's definitely left a rich legacy that I am proud of, you know, in a time of, let me say, controversy with uh, churches and pastors sometime. We never have had a scandal, have never had any type of uh, issues in these matters. Uh, uh, he was a man of integrity. You know, today you have to say that, you know, not always the case. He was a man of integrity. Um and uh, he left a basically untarnished legacy, which I really appreciate. Um, and uh, I, I just hope that I can be half the man that he was. <laughs> and, and what a joy to have that example to look up to. You know, as we're all aware, far too often these days, so many children grow up in broken homes. They lack true mentoring. Mom might be doing her very best but she can't handle it all. Maybe dad's doing his very best, but he's not capable of being mom. And and the one thing as we look at the world around us today, we see increased levels of violence and look what's going on in the political turmoil in this country, you know, from a day and an age when, yeah, we all had our differences, but we, at the end of the day, agreed to come together, set aside our differences and try to work toward common solutions for the greater good of the whole. A lot of that seems to sort of fallen by the wayside, at least in the political arena. And, um, you know, there's a lot of turmoil. I think a lot of spiritual turmoil in our nation today, and, and I would wonder how much of that is because um, young people today don't have the benefit of having a, a role model, a complete family to look after and say, this is how a healthy marriage should be. This is how a son should be treated by his father. This is how a mother should raise her daughter, uh, let alone even examples of just what it means to be, number one, a good citizen of the United States, but more importantly, a, a good citizen of the kingdom of heaven, which a lot of people kind of set that aside too. Church is something we do on Sundays and we go back to Monday through Saturday living like the devil. And uh, sadly, in our culture today, I think that attitude is is glaringly painful. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of complexities out there with our communities and, and with our nation right now. And uh, we are definitely living in a time that is unprecedented I, uh, politically, uh, socially and and, and, and and also religiously. Uh, so it is, you know, I always tell people, you know, uh, who are interested in pastoring, I, I sit down and talk with them and, and try and find out what is the origin of their desires. It's something that they feel like they're actually called to do or is it that their mama called them or their wife called them or their cousin called them or do they think it's just because it's so important for us to realize that you can't you know let me put it this way if you want to be a pastor or be in ministry in this day the complexities that we face are unparalleled to what my father faced and uh, I think any previous generation because our world is changing with technology and with philosophies and, and so much that we're dealing with. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's definitely a different world from what uh, uh, what 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 was. It's it's a new world that we're dealing with. And but you know, I think God gives us the grace um, in every generation. I think every generation has had its challenges. I think every generation has probably felt the way I feel uh, about what we are facing now in our nation in our world. And and I, I think that God never leaves himself without a witness. And he uh, raises up men and women to do ministry at whatever particular time. And he empowers them to do it in that time and, and graces them for what they need to do in that season. So I'm just glad to be one of those that he uh, selected. Some folks might look at what's going on around us these days and um, use that as a good pretext to run and hide. Uh, We've seen this. In fact, you and I were discussing a bit prior to coming on the air today about some of the impact of COVID and that during COVID and the lockdowns, there was an inclination towards putting services online. So now the church can can still gather together, if not literally, at least virtually. Now that we've kind of shifted into more of a sort of a a post-COVID lockdown environment, Folks are welcome to come back to church. We have vaccinations available, and yet they've kind of used that as an excuse to stay away. And and still others that say, you know, Pastor, I feel overwhelmed by everything that I see going on. I just want to kind of hunker down, hang with my group, and, and not engage the world. And yet the one thing that strikes me about your ministry, and you've been involved in not only church leadership, public service, community outreach, you're apparently a very strong advocate of education. The the one word that keeps coming back to me to kind of look at, if there's any word that kind of typifies not only your pulpit ministry, but the ministry of Rehoboth down through these years, is the word engagement. And engagement, of course, is quite opposite of the notion of go run and hide and, you know, lock yourselves in and, and let the world kind of work out its own problems. Engagement says, no, you got to get out there because we have a message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. They may not know that they need to hear it, but they need to hear it. No, no, you're so right. Um, engagement has definitely been a hallmark of our ministry. In fact, the vision of our church is empowering people to change the world. I believe that uh, engagement is really what the gospel is about. Um, Jesus um, uh, said to the disciples when, when he was talking to us, I believe today too, is that you are the light of the world and, uh, and that you are the salt of the earth, which means that we have a, a transformative uh, presence in the the earth, um, our communities to transform our cities and we can't do that in silos we can't do that in in-house only, you, you empower people to go out to transform these these various entities uh, this, the, the, the world and so yes, our church focus has always been engagement but you know I am, I'm, I'm slowly coming to uh, I guess maybe uh you know, all of us have to learn how to adapt in every circumstance, in every situation. Just as I stated before, each generation has its challenges. So I'm even looking at 
um, streaming as another congregation. You know, I'm looking at that. I, I pastor multiple churches. I pastor the in-person church that the folks come through the doors, but I pastor those online that uh, uh, many times I've never been able to talk to or have a conversation. So it just means that um, I have to learn how to adapt to whatever trend or whatever way that the Lord is opening up. But yeah, many people are, are still staying at home. And I talked to many of my colleagues. We all deal with the same situation. Uh, but I, I think there's that some people were unhappy with church as it was prior to the pandemic. And I think that uh, in, in my conversations that um, some people have not returned because they don't want to. <laughs> Simple as that. You know, they don't want to. And and to me, what that does for me is it causes me to evaluate what am I doing and how am I doing it, you know, because at the end of the day, we're called to reach people where they are. And, and I think like anything, we need to always continue to, you know, uh, be available to fresh uh, ways of doing things. Our conversation today with Pastor Danny Jefferson, Senior Pastor of Rehoboth World Outreach Center in Vallejo, California. We'll take a brief time out, back with more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking with Pastor Danny Jefferson, Senior Pastor of Rehoboth World Outreach Center in Vallejo, California. Pastor Jefferson, let's pick things up where we left off just prior to the break. The mandate was given to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And from a practical application, you know, if we all went out two by two, if you look at the expanse of the world geographically and numerically, I read the other day that we've, we've, we're starting to, to flirt with 8 billion inhabitants on this planet. When you think about that, if we all went out two by two, I don't know that we could, practically speaking, reach all the world in a lifetime. It's just too far and too many. But there are technologies that have been made available to us that we can harness that will allow us to do that far more effectively. I, th- I think of the Apostle Paul who said, I am all things to all men that I might win some. And I'm thinking, you know, in a different context, that might mean that he can hang with the Jews and the Gentiles. In this context, I think it might mean that he can preach in the pulpit on Sunday. He can preach until they fall out the windows if need be. And he can preach on the radio. He can preach on television. He can preach on the Internet. Any methodology available that allows the preaching of the word to reach the hearers. You know, God's word promises us that it will not go out and return to him void, but it will accomplish his good pleasure. And I see no caveat in there that says, if only spoken inside of a church or if only spoken on the radio. There's no conditions to that. So I think in a great sense, you know, sort of the the silver lining, if you will, of COVID is that far more churches have recognized the need to harness technology to a greater degree. Yes, some folks, out of choice, as you point out, Pastor, are undoubtedly continuing to remain home, but far more that otherwise would not be engaged. I had one pastor say to me, the second week of COVID, we had more people online watching the service than we had in a whole month of Sundays strung together prior to COVID within church services. So 
he looked at it not as a downside that, gee, hardly anybody's in the building, but rather as an upside that there's four times as many people engaged on a Sunday than we've ever had before, than this church could ever hold. hold. Absolutely. There's no question. I I think that all of our churches have expanded to some degree (laughs) Uh, with this. And uh, I definitely pastor way more people than I did before. Um, And that's what I also appreciate with this radio station as well. And the network of stations that uh, are represented here, you know, uh, you need as many mediums of uh, reaching people as you possibly can, um, because I'm one of those who love Christian radio myself and, and listening to the word of God and listening to various ministries and um, getting the flavor. I minister to as I minister to others. I minister too as I listen to Christian radio. And uh, I, I think it's just a viable tool it has always been a viable tool. Um, when I was in my secular work in terms of working for Kaiser Permanente, I was listening to it every day on my way to work, on my way home from work, and, and was blessed and um, changed in many ways based on that. And so I, I totally agree. Any mode that we can reach the world, we need to take advantage of it. Now, let me let me bring in a bit of a contrarian view here. As much as I think we both thoroughly agree that harnessing any methodology to disseminate the gospel is vitally important, and I believe that God not only encourages us, but maybe even I might go as far as to say demands that we take advantage of those opportunities. At the same token, from the consumption standpoint, you know, we've seen with the advent of the Internet, uh, not only the ability to disseminate truth, but also, sadly, the enemy has used it to disseminate lies. And one thing that I've seen a troubling trend in, and that is this notion that we seem to have lesser and lesser degrees of discernment, checking the facts. I had a pastor who's since gone home to be with the Lord, but uh, Pastor Wurst used to say, and he you know, reached the end of a very salient point in his sermon, he would say, now just don't take my word for it, check it out in God's word. And yet, sadly, a lot of people take some of the craziest notions. I'm reminded of that passage, those having itching ears, gathering unto themselves those that would essentially scratch that itch, that don't preach truth, but rather preach things that make us feel good about ourselves. Never mind the state of our soul or our relationship with God or or whether or not what's being preached is actually founded in God's word. Uh, as a, as an educated man yourself, as someone who who clearly believes in the importance of, of reading and studying and education, and and you know not only hearing the truth but checking the truth to make sure that it squares up with God's word, how much of a liability is it for us today that there are so many sources out there that people just take at face value? They heard something that only oh, that sounds like right right to me, and never bother to fact check. Yeah, no, it's critical and. And I think that that problem existed in Paul's day. You see where he had to correct uh, the Corinthian church. You see where he had to correct basically all the churches and very few churches he did not correct. Nothing new under the sun. Yes, right. (laughs) Because there was always, as the old folks said, people that were meddling, trying to uh, bring in new doctrines or different perspectives. And we see um, that uh, definitely played out in our all of the opinion that truth is more today than any other day um, in my community I'm seeing a lot of false doctrines that are coming in and some people are leaving the church 
to go to some of these cults like uh, the Israelite Hebrews or his Hebrew Israelite groups and different ones who um, uh, have you know ensnared some folks and and and, uh, and and caught them unaware. It's critical nowadays more than any day to be very um, strong doctrinally and it's that, that word doctrine is almost an ugly word today um, it's very important that you uh, as a pastor teach the people uh, the word of God and not your opinion uh, the church is not a place of in- entertainment I think and so many times we we, we we do a little tap dance and a song trying to get people in the doors but um, people's lives are at stake and uh, it, it is important to me and I tell my congregation all the time I'm not here to entertain you I'm here to give you the life giving that is transformative and um, I, I'm, I'm here to empower you not for entertainment purposes but for that you might be able to be a lighthouse in your community because I believe in mobilizing people I believe that um, you know that really every member is a minister um, and that you are a pastor in your job, you're a pastor in your neighborhood, you're a pastor uh, wherever you are. And so in order for you to be a pastor wherever you are, it's not just a pulpit pastor, but the pews have pastors. Uh, you need to be able to pastor your family, pastor your wherever you are and be able to articulate the gospel uh, in such a way that you're able to win souls wherever you are. And so um, it's critical for us to be biblically based, biblically sound, um, and uh, more now than ever before with so many erroneous doctrines and whatnot out there. And so that's really been my focus. Sometimes that's not so... It is is critical and necessary, and it causes me to continue to work on ways to make it more interesting to people because uh, it's important for them to hear it. And- Absolutely. And, you know, that, that takes us, Pastor, back to that word uh, we used earlier, engagement. Uh, yes. Sometimes folks think, well, the pastor, he's the professional, so it, it, it'll be up to him to preach and to teach and to evangelize. I show up to church on Sunday, I fill a seat in the pew, and I drop a couple of dollars inside of the, the offering plate, so that's that's my part. But, but you know, there was nothing specific or unique to a mandate that says uh, pastors go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Now, it's it's a general command, and I think each and every one of us, again, back to that notion of engagement, we touch so many lives that you'll never get a chance to touch. You you may never meet the newspaper guy that sells newspapers on my walk to work every day, but I do every day. Our conversation today with Pastor Danny Jefferson, Senior Pastor of Rehoboth World Outreach Center in Vallejo, California. We'll take a brief time out, back with more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking with Pastor Danny Jefferson, Senior Pastor of Rehoboth World Outreach Center in Vallejo, California. Pastor Jefferson, I'd like to return to our dialogue as we were discussing just a bit before the break. I hear people sometimes use as a as a pretext the notion of well 
I just can't quote scripture the way pastor does. I, I'm, I'm terrible at memorization. If I share my faith, what if they answer, ask a question that I can't answer? And so we sort of set up all of these excuses that the enemy actually uses as roadblocks to present or prevent rather the truth from getting out. And, you know, you look at the world around us and, and, you know, we often complain about how much darkness there is, whether it's in the six o'clock news, whether it's in the movies we watch, the entertainment that our children uh, are are consuming. It it just seems even through the Thanksgiving holiday here recently, uh, shootings here, shootings there. My goodness, it just seems that 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 the enemy is running rampant. And I think that we can argue that there's just way too much darkness But if we pause for a moment and think about it, maybe the issue at hand here is not so much that there's an overwhelming degree of darkness as much as there is an underwhelming degree of light. And if we want to do something about one, we are each empowered to be able to bring the light. You you mentioned it earlier, Pastor, salt and light, that, that preservative and that leading of the way that each and every one of us can do. Just imagine if somebody who was a believer would have been able to engage that young man who obviously had some angst against his co-workers at that shooting back on the East Coast at the Walmart. If somebody had spoken truth to him and introduced him to Christ, how different the outcome of Thanksgiving would have been for a half a dozen families. And I'm not trying to lay blame here. I'm just suggesting that for we as the church, as we look at the world around us and we get frustrated and sometimes we get angry, but if we don't turn that frustration and anger into engagement, into action of being truth tellers and lovers of Christ and reaching others for Christ, then I'm, 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 I'm a fear, fearful that God is going to look at our set of circumstances here today and say, church, I gave you my word. I gave you my Holy Spirit. I empowered you to be my witnesses. What more do you need? You haven't used the tools I gave you. Well, you said that you are not lay, laying blame to, to anyone, but the reality is the blame is laid at our feet because so goes the city or the community or the region, so goes the church. And in the sense that if you see a lot of problems in any particular area, I take it personally. I do. I take it personally because I believe that as believers, we are the salt and the light. And if we are not doing our job, then we will see decay. So that the decay is to the degree of our lack of focus or our empathy, our, you know, it could be a, a number of things. And I do feel like that um, we are gatekeepers of our communities um, and what is going on in our community is a direct um, connection to us. So that, so with that said, um, um, our church has done several things. One of the things that I've done um, in the community in the city of Vallejo is we organize other churches to work together because I believe not one church can change a city. I believe it takes the body of Christ. When you talk about the book of Acts or when you look at the book of Rome, Romans and you look at uh, Corinthians and when, when all of those letters are to one church, but many congregations. They they had various churches in their homes and other places, but it was to one church. And I believe that uh, that one church idea, when I say one church, I'm not talking about one congregation of the body 
uh, in our community. And one of the things we did in, in the city of Vallejo and have done is as our churches have come together, many of them, uh, to to do just what we've been talking about, making uh, transformation possible in our city, uh, reforming the education uh arenas. Uh, how do we do that by adopting schools, um, uh, getting in the schools? Uh, you know, so often Christians so often send their children to Christian schools or private schools. Uh, but, you know, and, and they'll send missionaries over to Africa and some other place. We need to send missionaries right here in our schools, <laughs> in our cities. Um, and so what we've done, many of our congregations have adopted schools, um, provide all kinds of different things. That's a way to be able to come in and evangelize. Um, we have also addressed the violence and the crime in our city. We've had rallies. We've had uh, various things that we've tried to do to reduce crime in our cities and, and uh, by getting out in the streets and in the community. We um, have also um, definitely dealt with the political power is definitely important. You know, um, you know, when the righteous are in charge, the people rejoice, you know, but when <clears throat> when 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 the unrighteous are in charge, then the people mourn, you know, righteousness exalts a nation and, and sin is a reproach to any people. So it's very critical for who we have sitting in seats of power as it relates to a mayor, city council, a school board uh, and all of these places locally. And we have worked actively in our city as a community of faith together uh, to to make impact in these areas. So it's in the church, it's in the streets, it's in the schools, it's it's in the political arenas, it's in city hall, it's at the county, it's at the state capitol, it's wherever we need to be there uh, to make change. So I do take it personally. When I, when I hear some of the things that take place in my city, I feel to myself just exactly what you say. How could we have reached that person? How could we have um, done a better job to uh, impact that person? Because I believe that the gospel will uh, change anybody. And I believe people are hungry. They want something. They, they're looking for the answer. They're looking for the answer. And we are the answer. And when I say we, Jesus is the answer. Um, he's the answer for it. And we are dispensers of that. We, we carry the kingdom everywhere we go. The kingdom of God reside, resides in us, and it's it's critical for us to be able to bring the kingdom wherever we are. Now, let me just read. Can I read one scripture? Please. Uh, just to quickly. This is one of the scriptures that I use. Sometimes people are afraid to, to witness because they don't have, you know, a plethora of scriptures to uh, cite to individuals, and I get that. But I always use this one. Uh, which is found in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, uh, says, um, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away; behold, all things are become new. And all things." Next verse says, "And all things are of God, who have reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation." Come on now, yes. And he tells us what that reconciliation ministry looks like to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them 
and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So what does that say? It means that when what I share with our congregation in terms of empowering people to change the world is we're not there to bring condemnation. We're not there um, but to to challenge people to let them know about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that that he has paid the penalty for all of their sins. God has laid all of their sins on him, on him. And because of that today, uh, we have been reconciled or we have the ability to be reconciled with Christ. The penalty is already paid. So you don't need a whole lot of theology to just say, simply let a, a person know that um, all that you've done, every problem, every sin you've ever committed, God has already paid the price for it. He's already paid the price for your sins. And all he wants you to do is acknowledge it, to receive uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart right now. You know, uh, he doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care uh, your background. He doesn't care about your fail failures. He's not intimidated by your past. He's not intimidated by your present. All he's saying is, come to me. Come to me. Whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstances are, whatever your dilemma, whatever your station in life, come to me. Whatever it is, I'll I'll be able to take care of it. I'll, I, 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 I died for you. And I paid uh, an awesome price for your sins. And uh, I, I'm not intimidated by anything you've done, anything you're doing. Just come to me and I'll take care of the rest. And so uh, we found that to be very effective uh, because what people need is is when you talk to them, they just want you to pray for it. We, we tell them, don't, don't do a lot of preaching. Just pre- pray for people's felt needs. You know, that's the door. If we look at Luke 10, that's the door. When Jesus sent those out, he, he told them, when you go in the house, bless the house. Bless it. Uh, he didn't say preach first. You know, a lot of times we want to preach first. He says, go if they receive the blessings, then abide. That means you now have to start discipling. You've got to, you, you know, I was in sales and marketing before I came. I mean, uh, in my secular world, they taught us in sales and marketing, you need to uncover people's needs first before you start selling. And and that's the way we do it as it relates to the gospel, and that's the way we do it in terms of witnessing, is we don't go in telling them what they need. We go in finding out what they need and in the process giving them what they need. <laughs> Amen. Well, and, and the, the joy of all of this is, and you've just touched on it, um, you know, sometimes we, we get confused um, the Holy Spirit is our helpmate that empowers us, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to to bring about a, a sense of of repentance, to lay bare sin, and recognize that roadblock that sin is in our between man and our relationship with God. It's not our job to bring condemnation, but rather to bring the message of hope and reconciliation. And boy, we as the church having tasted of the greatest and most critical reconciliation that ever existed that vertical plane between man and god once having tasted of that who's in a better position then to also disseminate a message of reconciliation on the horizontal plane as well our conversation today with Pastor Danny Jefferson, Senior Pastor of Rehoboth World Outreach Center in Vallejo, California. We'll take a brief time out, back with more of our dialogue right after this. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking with Pastor Danny Jefferson, Senior Pastor of Rehoboth World Outreach Center in Vallejo, California. Pastor Jefferson, let's pick things up where we left off just prior to the break. There's so much turmoil, as you pointed out, Pastor, in our communities these days. And a lot of people, I think, are acting out because they are looking for something that they can they can attach their lives to. They're, they're looking for something that provides them with a bedrock. So many folks today are just living in existence on, on shifting sand. And if we can share the good news of the hope of the gospel and, and demonstrate what reconciliation looks like first on the vertical plane and then later model it on the horizontal plane, we can turn the world upside down. Listen, I, I think about the fact that when your father started Rehoboth Church in 1952, Brown versus Board of Education had not yet been settled. The Civil Rights Act had not yet, it wasn't even uh, an idea, let alone having been signed. And yet over the course of the period of time from the early 1950s in through the later 1960s, there were tremendous strides made. And watch this. All because of the leadership of who? The church. The church was on the front line preaching a new way a healthy way, a fairer way, a more reasonable way, a God-honoring way. And look at the outcome of those efforts of the church, Big C, coming together. I know some folks are going to get to heaven and are going to expect to find the Baptist section. The Episcopals are over here. They, yeah, It's not going to be like that. We're all going to be of one accord, all gathered together at that huge banquet table. And it's going to be the bride of Christ gathered together. And it is the church we as one with a loud message of reconciliation that I believe, Pastor, can literally restore hope and restore our communities. But we as the church can't, you know, like Scripture says, you can't take your light and stick it under a bushel basket and, and hide that light. you got to take it out and put it up on top and let that light shine before all mankind. Yeah, the church has led reform throughout mankind. Uh, throughout church history, uh, so so I completely agree with you, um, and and I feel like if the church really wakes up in some respect and knows who she is because she's the bride of Christ, how much more can we do? You know, and we can do so much more together than we can apart. Yeah, that's my my thoughts. My thoughts is I thank God for Rehoboth. That is the vineyard which God has given me. But I also recognize that I need this church and I need that church and we need this church. And if we come together, uh, we can mobilize, I mean, all ethnicities. Uh, one of the greatest and most powerful things that we've seen in our local city is churches of all denominations, uh, uh, even political backgrounds coming together for one purpose. And that was to lift up Jesus. Amen. And every time we did that, and every time we have done that, we have always been successful. And I don't want to go to meddling here because it's going to, you know, stuff my inbox, my my, my email inbox. Uh, but, you know, uh, a final note, uh, and then we'll move on to another topic. Uh, if at the end of the day, we genuinely want to, quote unquote, make America great again, that is never going to happen unless we make America godly again and absent bringing America to the throne of grace, 
her her greatness will be in the rearview mirror. I think of de Tocqueville when he came here from France uh, in the 1800s, and he visited one end of the country to the other, and he visited his ch- our churches, and he came back with the the firm belief, and he wrote about this in his in his summary book, that America's greatness laid in the fire of her pulpits and the pr- truth that was being preached from America's pulpits. So if indeed we wish to see America great again, whatever that definition might be, let's first and foremost understand that we as the church have one responsibility and one responsibility only, and that is to make America godly again. Pastor, I want to spend just a couple of moments for folks that have been eavesdropping on our conversation saying, boy, you know what? I really like what Pastor Danny Jefferson's had to say today. I'd love to come and check out the church. Tell us a little bit about what God is doing at Rehoboth Church and some of the service times and uh, different programs that you guys are offering to folks in the greater Vallejo area. You know, um, Craig, we're doing very well. We only offer two services right now because we are still... um, you know, I have been, <clears throat> every church has had its own philosophies. Uh, some churches have continued to, to have services uh, during the pandemic. We shut down for a little over an hour, a little over a year, I guess it was, or about a year. Uh, but we are back and uh, been in the swing of things for over a year now. And we have two services. One is Wednesday night. It's online only. However, we're getting ready to uh, in the beginning of the year, in January, we'll be going back to in-person Bible study. Right now, you can catch it on, on online uh, through YouTube, uh, as well as uh, Facebook platforms. Uh, and that's at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, our in-person worship services uh, on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Uh, and we welcome and invite everyone, um, no matter who you are, where you come from, um, we are a church that is uh, making reconciliation a focus of our ministry. What, what, so what does that mean? It means that wherever you come from, whatever your background is, you're welcome at Rehoboth World Outreach Center. Uh, we don't care anything about, you know, some people say, well, you know, Pastor, what if they come in with this on? Or what they, uh, We don't care what you have on. If, if you came in naked, we have some sheets. We'll, we'll wrap you up. <laughs> <laughs> We don't care where you come from or what your circumstances are. Um, and uh, it's just a community of people that will love you uh, right where you are. Um, we, of course, have a women's ministry, uh, men's ministry, the typical things that churches have uh, for fellowship and for uh, empowerment. Um, we are uh, very involved in uh, those kinds of things. And uh, I'm looking forward to a, a more vigorous and more robust, robust uh, offering in 2023. Some things I, I've been slow about um, rolling out because there's still been these hot spots of COVID. But it seems now we've pretty much we now know how to live with COVID, um, and, and most people are getting. Uh, in 2023, we'll even have even more offerings. If you'd like to get more information about the ministry of Rehoboth. World Outreach Center in Vallejo. You can find them online at Rehoboth, W-O-C-R-E-H-O-B-O-T-H, W-O-C for World Outreach Center, dot O-R-G. They're located at 
245 Holly Street in the city of Vallejo. And you can call them at area code 707-642-9705. That's 707-642-9705. And our thanks to Senior Pastor Danny Jefferson for being with us today. Pastor Jefferson, it has been a delight to spend some time with you today. And I look forward to the opportunity to do so again. God bless you. Thanks so much, Craig. Appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.